I'm joined now by RNZ's business reporter Anan Zaki. Kia ora, Anan. Another headache for Sky City. Kia ora, Charlotte. Yes, uh, there's more uncertainty ahead for gaming company Sky City as it faces the risk of having its casino licence suspended. As you may have heard in the news, Internal Affairs has applied to the Gambling Commission to suspend Sky City's operator's licence for about 10 days for alleged breaches of host responsibility rules. A former Auckland casino customer made the complaint about Sky City's detection of incidences of continuous play over a four-year period ended 2021. Forsyth Bar Head of Research Andy Bowley says the 10-day suspension could potentially cost the company $13 million in lost revenue. Potential financial impact of a suspended licence for 10 days is relatively immaterial, so it could be a few percent of their profits in any one year, uh, which isn't um, overly big. The bigger question is, what else is out there that the DIA could be investigating um, and potentially bring similar applications to the Gambling Commission with? Well, this is the latest regulatory headache for Sky City, which is already facing the possibility of a hefty fine relating to alleged breaches of anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism financing laws at its Adelaide casino. Andy Bowley says it's fair to assume the company has a bit of cleaning up to do. Regulatory risk has been part of the Sky City story you know, for a number of years now. There's contagion from what's been happening with other casinos in Australia in particular. They have undertaken quite a wide increase in the scope of their harm minimisation and know your customer and other harm minimisation type um, approaches or processes within their casinos, both in Australia and New Zealand in recent times. Um, And this illustrates that uh, that investment is very necessary. And if the application for suspension is upheld, Sky City's casinos will only be allowed to operate non-gaming services such as hotels and restaurants. Sky City declined to comment. Financial services complaints is getting an increasing number of complaints arising from this year's severe weather events. Financial Ombudsman Susan Taylor says many of the complaints associated with the Auckland floods and Cyclone Gabrielle relate to insurance claims with a number from small businesses. She says the complaints range from delays in insurers assessing claims, complaints that insurance brokers didn't arrange appropriate insurance cover for homes and businesses. We will take a good look to make sure that the insurance broker did their job properly and made sure that the right type of cover was in place or set the client's expectations so that if it wasn't going to be possible to obtain cover um, for a particular business, for example, that they explained the limits of cover at the time the insurance was placed. Susan Taylor says some consumers have been pushed to their financial limits, particularly those struggling with rising costs and increasing interest rates. The Electricity Authority is considering making customer care measures mandatory as voluntary guidelines are not being applied consistently by power retailers. The guidelines, introduced in 2021, cover consumer care, provide guidance on customer sign-up processes, what power companies should do when consumers are struggling to pay their bills and how they ensure medically dependent customers are protected, among other matters. 
Authority Chief Executive Sarah Gillies says mandatory compliance will result in costs for power companies, which could result, which could lead to higher prices for consumers. However, she says retailers are having difficulty with voluntary compliance given the complexity of the guidelines. There's over 100 provisions in the guidelines and they set out all sorts of things about basically the standard of care that consumers can expect from their electricity retailer. So retailers did their own, they did a self-assessment and they're the ones putting up their hands in some cases and saying we don't completely uh, align with some of the, the parts of the guidelines. And so for me what's really important is that we, um, we look at what's in place and we think about how we can make it better. And the consultation documents are available online with feedback closing on October the 2nd. Well, the National Party's policy to allow foreign buyers to purchase property worth over $2 million as long as they pay tax is under close scrutiny for the financial and market assumptions it makes, as well as trade and legal complications. But regardless of that, it would seem to have already piqued the interest of some well-heeled would-be foreign buyers. Real estate agent Caleb Patterson, whose company specialises in catering to high-net-worth house hunters, says potential overseas clients have been in touch already. He says New Zealand has become so desirable to wealthy foreigners, they would likely be willing to pay even higher taxes to secure a house. Traditionally, what we tended to see with a previous international buyer pool that was able to purchase before it was cancelled in 20, 2017 was the fact that they were a mix. You know, that 2 to 10 million was looking more predominantly around schooling, lifestyle, location, more central Auckland. However, that 10, 15 million plus were looking out Queenstown, Hayab Islands, more that coastal estates. That's Caleb Patterson of Patterson Luxury Real Estate. Well, time now for an update from the financial markets, and we're joined by Michael Grace of Jardin Securities. Uh, kia ora, Michael. Look, Sky City dominating things today. How's it looking uh, right now? It looks like we don't have Michael there. Michael, are you there? Looks like we're having some issues getting hold of Michael Grace there. We'll go to some other business news. The country's trade position has remained broadly flat with export and import prices down, reflecting a downturn in commodities and petrol prices. Stats NZ data shows the terms of trade, which measures how much imports can be bought for and bought for a set amount of export earnings, rose 0.4% in the June quarter, after easing 1.5% in the first three months of the year. Export volumes were up 6.8%, but declining demand for dairy and meat saw prices fall 0.6%. Import volumes moved in the opposite direction with a 2.8% drop, while overall prices fell on the back of declining petrol prices. Two-way trade rose nearly 5% to $52 billion over June 2022. And uh, we'll bring, oh, looks like we've got our broker with us, Michael. How's it going, Michael Grace? Uh, how's the local share market looking? Good afternoon, Anand. Well, it's been a soft start to the week domestically. The NZX50 is currently down 42 points, or 0.36% to 11,487. Contributing to this is Sky City, which is down 12% to $2.05 on news today that its operating licence may be suspended for a period of 10 days. More to come on this. Uh, however, in positive news, Vulcan Steel is leading the board and is currently up 
3.2% to $8.77. From a listed property perspective today, Investor Property is up 3% to $1.30, while Vital Healthcare Property and Argosy Property are down 1.8% and 2.6% respectively. And we'll just go to the New Zealand dollar. Michael, how's that looking? The Kiwi is stronger against all of our major trading partners buying the greenback, and it's still below the 60-cent mark, and it's currently buying 59.39 US cents, 92.05 Australian cents, 47.17 British pence, 55.14 euro cents, 86.78 Japanese yen, and 4.31 Chinese yuan. Thank you, Michael. That's all the time we have for that's Michael Grace of Jardin Securities with our market update. And we'll bring you a wrap of the day's news and numbers around half past five in Checkpoint. But for now, Charlotte, that is business. Kia ora.